Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. As always, delighted that you could join us on this Thursday, as you know by now. If you're a regular listener, we love to release our podcast on a Thursday, but absolutely no idea why one day I decided we should release our podcast on a Thursday. I just did, and now I'm in too deep. We're north of 100 episodes, and that is it forever, because in many ways, I am a creature of habit. And joining this creature of habit today is our co-founder, and Managing Director, Kathy Akotopolo. Kathy, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm all right. I'm feeling chipper. How are you? Excellent. Good way to start. Good way to start. I tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not quietly quitting on you. Are you not? That's good no. to know. I'm very no. pleased to hear that. <laughs> and the reason, listener, why I say that is because that's actually the topic of today's podcast. So Kathy and I wanted to get a bit of time. Well, I wanted to get a bit of time with Kathy to talk about this subject of quiet quitting because we've seen a lot of it in the press. There's a lot of people talking about it. It's this new phenomenon, isn't it? Last year, we had the great resignation, and now we have quiet quitters. And so what I wanted to do is just quiz Kathy with her thoughts on that, because we were also asked, we've been asked a couple of times to speak about this in the press, and we've been featured. What I'll do is I'll put in the show notes a note about the um, piece which, Kathy, you were actually featured in the press. I can't remember which the press uh, site was work now, life. which is terribly. Work life, that's it. So we were featured on that, asking to comment on quiet quitting. But should we start, just for those people who may or may not have heard this phenomenon. There might be lots of people, lots of HR people on this, uh, listening to this podcast thinking, oh yes, I've heard this. I've read far too much about this. But just on the off chance of those people that haven't heard this phenomenon of quiet quitting, can you just give us a bit of an overview as to what exactly it is? Of course. And first of all, kudos to you, Chris, because using the word phenomenon on a uh, podcast and saying it correctly and not <laughs> not stumbling over it is a big achievement. You've said it twice already. So I'm, I'm impressed. What can I say? <laughs> Well-practiced podcaster. Okay, so quiet quitting. What do we mean? I guess it feels a bit gimmicky. It's a bit like, you know, we've had the great resignation in lots and lots of headlines over the last six, 12 months. We're now hearing about quiet quitting. Ultimately, it's going to mean different things to different people, but certainly from my perspective, and from what I've read around it, it effectively means that someone has decided to work to rule. So mm. it's a conscious decision to work to rule. And therefore, in, in a sense, it's an attitude shift in some way, a mindset change. And what we mean by that, I guess, is that someone has not fully checked out of the organisation, but they're certainly saying, you know what, I'm not going to go above and beyond anymore. I'm going to do what I need to do to do my job without raising eyebrows in the workplace in terms of my performance or my output, but I'm not going to go the extra mile. I'm going to do the basics, do the hygiene stuff that I need to do to get my job done and therefore work my standard hours, not put the extra effort in, not go above and beyond, basically. Mm. And that will mean different things to different people, right? Depending on the nature of their role, where they work, the hours that they work typically, how standard those are. I suspect it can be quite hard to identify, which we'll come on to. But ultimately, to me, it's that mindset shift of saying, you know what, I'm going to actually change my perspective on what I come to work for and how much effort I'm going to put into that and do the minimum. So I want to talk about, we mentioned the great resignation, because I want to talk about that, because last year, we did a piece about the great resignation because we suddenly saw lots and lots of people coming out of lockdown, coming out of the pandemic and being released and deciding, do you know what? 
I actually need to have a bit of a change of career now. And that got coined quite a lot, particularly towards the back end of last year. And now we have this kind of flip into to this quiet quitters kind of mindset. I kind of want to get your view on why, what's caused this evolution between the everyone suddenly now wants to quit their job. And now people are deciding, actually, I don't want to quit my job. I just want to be a very passive employee that sort of sits there at home playing on my computer. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's what they're doing, Chris. But, not, <laughs> but, but maybe they have more time to play on their computer because they're working less hours. Let's put it like that. So the question of why is really important, and and ultimately, I, I suspect, as always, there are a number of reasons. Yes, there'll always be a COVID impact, right? And we're not over that yet. And I think we're going to continue to see an evolution of COVID impacts over the next year or two. But ultimately, some of the reasons that have been cited is the burnout word, right? So people feel that they've burnt out in some way. They haven't got the right work-life balance. They may be struggling from a well-being perspective, whether that's mentally, physically, whatever it is, and have decided something needs to change. And the thing that they can control is ultimately how much effort they're putting into the workplace. So that's one aspect. And you can argue that post-COVID or with the prevalence of hybrid working in those industries where that's relevant, that actually that the propensity to burnout might be higher because it's really hard to keep that differentiation between home and work when you are working from home more and therefore striking the right balance can be trickier. But I wouldn't say that's the only reason for burnout. People are working hard. They are as always sort of putting in the extra effort and maybe there's this attitude that actually if I'm trying to achieve a better well-being perspective then that's something I can control and 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 make a change in that would actually have a positive impact on me as an individual potentially and and, and this is what we need to come on to as to whether it is a positive impact in all cases. I do think there's also potentially a root cause here around the external market. And I I think this is actually, for me, a a primary consideration as to why this is relevant right now, because ultimately we're in an unusual situation of having full employment, basically. Our number Mm. of vacancies exceeds the number who are unemployed in the workforce in the UK. And that means that ultimately employees have all the power And so ultimately, if they want to take their foot off the gas at work, then as an employer, you have two options there. You can lean in and do something about it, which ultimately might lead to that individual leaving if they're dissatisfied, unhappy. And then you have the conundrum of, well, I now can't hire a replacement because the talent market is so hot that Mm -hmm. it will take me a long time to fill the role and I might get someone who isn't actually of the calibre of the person that's just left. So the risk from the employer point of view is, do I just put up with this? (laughs) Because it's better to have someone doing 50%, but in the role, than take the time and effort and the cost and the productivity impact that I get from having the role vacant for any length of time, and then the cost to hire, the cost to retrain, the cost to full productivity for that replacement individual. So the talent market in itself is a big factor in this. I think employees are recognising the power sits with them and therefore what actually will the employer really do if I take my foot off the gas a bit? And and actually that might help me feel that I have a better work-life balance, help me address any burnout concerns I've got. And I may then take the opportunity to take my foot off the gas and spend my time that I'm not going the extra 110% on top of my normal working hours or whatever it is, spend that time looking for work that I really want to be doing that does give me what I need. So actually, because of that hot talent market, I think that's a driving factor as well. So with that in mind, do you think then that 
And you talked about the market conditions. Do you think this quiet quitting phenomenon is actually a short term type thing? Or do you think in a few years we'll still see these quiet quitters? Because in my head, I think about post-pandemic great resignation. The reason why that happened is because of the huge spike as a result of everyone being locked up and the whole world sort of shutting down for a period of months or however long it was. And then it's almost the knock-on effect of that is this quiet quitting side. And so what I was thinking when we were kind of talking about prepping for this discussion is in two years' time, are we still talking about quiet quiet quitters? Or do you think this is a short term reaction to what's been happening? You're asking me to get my crystal ball out again, Chris, which is which is that. always a challenge. <laughs> so I'll polish my crystal ball and give you my latest view on it, I guess. We've all been talking about the R word, recession. Now, there's discussion, right, that recession is a full employment recession, which is a very different recession than maybe we've seen over previous cycles. However, What will come with it, I suspect, is impact on job security at some point, right? Pressure on an individual or an organisation to look at their cost base. And that in itself will put more scrutiny over what you need from your employees and whether you need all of your employees or whether you're, you know, you're actually able to even continue to function as a business from an efficiency perspective. As costs go up, right, costs that we know as through to the energy costs and all the associated knock-on impacts we're experiencing right now through inflation. So I think quiet quitting is particularly prevalent right now because of full employment and because the market conditions are strong from an employee perspective. As that shifts, which it will do, none of this is going to stay fixed forever. The recession will bring change. I suspect employees in that scenario are going to ask themselves, actually, is this a job I still want to be doing? And if I do want to be here, then maybe I need to up my game again. So it becomes higher risk strategy than it is right now to take that approach. So I would see it being temporary in the sense of I'm not going to give a time frame, but it's not fixed, right? There's something that I would see continuing long term. But I do think we have to ask ourselves again, external market conditions aside, every organisation is going to have individuals who are less engaged than some than the rest of the workforce. And ultimately, that's what this is a demonstration of, that someone is disengaged. From an employer point of view, the prevalence of that is an issue, which is why lots of organisations run engagement surveys and try to hone in on those individuals in that situation. But if that prevalence is increasing, the organisation has to ask itself even more than it already does, why? What is it that's happening? Um, So you need to have the data in the first place. But the question around why is so important and understanding the root causes. So the listening to the workforce is particularly critical. And we can come on to that in a bit more detail as to HR's role in helping to address that for our audience that we're talking to now. But I do feel, therefore, that it is subject to change. Time frame, I wouldn't like to predict it. Who knows right now? with all the changes going on in government, let alone uh, outside of the UK. But I do think the market factors are a, a primary driver. Yeah. Do you think, changing the subject slightly, but kind of keeping on the same sort of track, I was thinking about the technology angle and side of it and organisations, you mentioned data a minute ago as well. Organisations that we talk to, they're constantly trying to find ways in which they can get better Mm -hmm. at it from a people data perspective. And I wonder if there's something around, because of this phenomenon coming up, And because of organisations are wondering, okay, well, how engaged are our people? We need to measure this a little bit more. Do you think because you've got more organisations that maybe are fearful that their employees aren't taking quiet quitting, that we would end up with even more applications and things that try to measure productivity? Well, I think it's engagement and productivity, and maybe two different types of tools. I think then we get into the, I don't want to get into the debate of what types of tools, but I do think hybrid working and the link between the need to ensure that you are trusting your employees to do their job. Quite quitting is a good example of where 
employers may be saying, well, hang on, I've given lots of trust. How do I actually find out if someone yeah. isn't being as productive? And this is where the line manager bit kicks in, right? You don't necessarily need to impose. I mean, it's easy when you're in a sales environment and someone's sitting in a call center or sitting at home in a virtual call center, and you can tell they're dealing with less calls or they're selling less or whatever it is, right? And when they're clocking in and clocking off, you can see that. But for workforces where there isn't that easy measure of productivity, then you have to bring the line manager in to understand that they are regularly conversing with the individual and understanding how they're feeling and tracking what they're doing, right? But not the distrust element, but just with an engagement and well-being focus. So let's talk about the impact of quiet quitting. Because I know we were both of us were quite keen to delve into that from your perspective. What is that impact for employers? Okay, so let's start with the employers because I'm conscious that there is a, a hard bottom line impact for this from a business point of view. And then then yep. I'd also like to think about for the employee themselves and the broader workforce because I think there's a range of impacts. So starting with the employer, clearly the obvious one here is that if somebody was, let's say, a high performer or put in that 110% of effort and now they've switched it to 70% because they think they can get away with that level of input without raising eyebrows or causing scrutiny, there's an impact on productivity. Now, whether that's selling, whether it's customer service, whether it's operational risk, for example, that has an impact on the organisation, which ultimately will flow to the bottom line, whether indirectly or directly. So there is a significant impact impact for the employer in the immediate term, right, of having people decide that they're going to work to rule or do the minimum. So that in itself is reason enough for an organisation to get better at identifying this and working out why it's happening and what they can do to address it, which we'll come on to. Clearly as well, from an employer point of view, there is this consideration of the talent market and actually the consideration of if somebody is changing their mindset and changing their output, their productivity significantly, what do you want to do about it? Because ultimately, you may be in an organisation where you know it will take you three, six months to find a replacement and you know that that has a cost associated with it. So if somebody's made the decision already to check out in terms of what they're doing, but hasn't physically left the organisation, are you going to lean in and say, now's the time for me to actually have hard conversations around this can't go on, I need you to perform and what is it that's the root cause and do your best to coach them around, but ultimately accept that that may lead to them leaving and then have the cost and challenge around hiring when you know the talent marketplace is so tricky right now, or do you tolerate it? Mm. Um, you know, some really hard decisions to make. But so from an employee point of view. Before we do that, so before yeah. we go on to the employee side, can somebody who is a quiet quitter from an employer side be rescued, do you think? And this comes down to really understanding the root cause, right? Because I think absolutely, but it will vary by individual. And you'll get me on my line manager soapbox again in a minute about, we'll do that in about a minute. the role of the line manager. So let's, let's defer that because <laughs> it's the mm. rest of the podcast is doomed because that's all I'll talk about. So it varies by individual. I, I know that sounds like a glib answer, but ultimately the root causes are going to be different based on an individual's perspective, right? And why the change in mindset and output has happened. But yes, I think absolutely there will be plenty of situations where individuals can be turned around again. So I don't think this is once you're in that scenario, there's no way back in all cases. Right. So from the employee point of view, let's think about it. You know, if an individual has consciously made this decision to change their productivity, their mindset, their output at work, ultimately, you have to ask yourself what motivates you. If I was doing that at work in any of the jobs I've been in, I wouldn't be 
very happy. No. I get satisfaction out of performing. You know, I get satisfaction out of doing well at my work. Yeah, out of achieving. Yeah, well, obviously working with you, Chris. Huge, <laughs> huge job satisfaction just from that. But no, I would feel I was letting my organisation down, my team down, myself down. I would not personally be comfortable. Now, if an individual has been performing and suddenly isn't, or has chosen to shift that mindset, there has to be quite a significant value change for that individual, for them not to feel the stress associated with not doing what they used to do, which has to be about they've really changed their commitment to the organisation or changed what motivates them. But ultimately, job satisfaction that they may have had previously isn't going to be there anymore unless they suddenly get satisfaction from the fact that they can do other things because they aren't under the stress or the pressure that they were experiencing at work, depending on the individual scenario, of course. The other consideration from the employee point of view is if you've decided to say, right, I'm going to now perform at this level below the level I used to perform at, and it's therefore basic level of performance just to get by, you can't expect to get the performance-related incentives that maybe you got in your previous levels of performance, whether that's bonus, commission, however you get paid in the organisation. You can't expect to be picked out as somebody who's suitable for new roles in the organisation for progression, because you're not demonstrating what the organisation wants to exemplify as being someone who is a future high-potential individual, for example, or someone who should be awarded extra income in some way or recognition. So that in itself will have an impact on the individual, um, yeah. which is why quiet quitting to me is not a sustainable position from an organizational point of view or an individual perspective. Yeah. What would you say? I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate now because I, I agree with you. Whilst I've started hearing about quiet quitting, I've started, I've read a couple of articles. They tend to be sort of tabloid style articles about how quiet quitting is actually really good for you because it allows you to focus on yourself and your mental well-being and your personal sort of looking after number one type thing rather than work has to be everything. That's kind of the counterpoint to that. Well, maybe I don't want to focus too much on the performance management side and earning lots more money or getting rewarded or whatever it is. Like what's your kind of general you to that kind of argument. I, I, I get it, right, Chris? Look, ultimately, they're saying think holistically about life in general. Is work everything? Does it need to have the level of effort and focus that we give it in life compared to other things, right? In terms of our home life, our family, our, our friends, and everything else. And, you know, absolutely, we probably all reflect on the fact that we probably go above and beyond at work. We have to ask ourselves why that is because it gives us satisfaction. And ultimately, that may not be the case for everybody. Of course, it isn't. I'm not saying everyone in every organization is a high performer or a high potential individual. But the point about quiet quitting is it's a shift, right? It's saying that someone who was doing well in some way has decided not to, has, has changed their output. And therefore, the reason for doing that may well be because they felt they hadn't got the balance right. But if they've suddenly gone from someone who was performing well, let's say, above average or at least even average, to suddenly someone who's performing at the lower end of the scale, that they're going to lose the satisfaction that maybe they got from that, as well as gaining the fact that they may have more time to do other things and feel that they're less pressured at work. They'll get pressures through different things, maybe like being the person who's overlooked a promotion time or being the person who doesn't get the performance bonus or not being recognised in their role. And mm. then you have to think about the wider workforce as well. So actually, it's not just the individual and it's not just the bottom line as an organisation that gets impacted. If you're in a team or you're in a, a in a department, I can absolutely put money on the fact that the individuals in that team or that department know the people who aren't necessarily pulling their weight, shall we say. And yeah. if they see those individuals not pulling their weight and again i'm using virtual air quotes here 
getting away with it because the organisation isn't doing anything about it, that in itself can cause dissatisfaction for the rest of the team or the rest of the department or the rest of the business because they'll feel that they're carrying the individual or they'll feel that, hang on, why should I be putting all this in if the Joe Bloggs over there is reduced their effort and nothing's happened, right? Which is again back to that point about how should the organisation react? And it's not just about the individual that we need to think about. It's actually the broader impact of that on the team and the organisation that they're working within and therefore the the impact it can have on engagement and the direct link between engagement and productivity for the broader workforce. So I, I do have absolute sympathy, right, for individuals who are in that scenario just saying, I can't do this anymore. I've been throwing myself into this. There's plenty of new opportunities out there. The talent market's hot. I just need to take my foot off the gas and look at other stuff or work isn't everything I wanted that I thought it was. I want to actually rebalance my life. I get it, right? But actually doing the minimum has implications and therefore understanding back to the root cause perspective is really important to think about how as an individual's line manager or how as the organisation we can turn this around. Yeah. So I've just written down something. Is this essentially, does this all boil down to the culture of an organisation? Well, ultimately, if if an individual really believes in the organisation they're working for, is motivated by what the organisation is trying to achieve, can see how they contribute to that, feels rewarded and recognised for what they're doing and feels that they've got a great line manager, a team around them, they feel valued, they feel that they're being treated well, you'd have to question why somebody in that scenario would quietly quit, right? So whatever's happening in their own personal life or their own personal view of their work-life balance or their well-being, you would have to question, if you had all of those things in place, would you expect there to be a high prevalence of people quietly quitting? I would argue not. Individuals that were in that scenario, it may well be a well-being challenge. And at that point, as an organisation, we do need to lean in and understand that and see what we can do to help the individual with that challenge. So that's where, you know, it's recoverable. If an individual is quietly quitting because they don't agree with the organisation's purpose, or they didn't like the way they were treated during COVID, or they feel that they're disenchanted in some way because they're being asked more and more and not getting value for that or recognition for that. And therefore, organisationally, culturally, it doesn't fit anymore. I can completely understand why you'd say, well, why am I working my socks off for an organisation I don't believe in, don't want to be part of? And actually, is it really giving me the satisfaction that I want out of that element of my life? Mm. So it is down to culture, to your point. But I think, again, hence why HR's role in this is so important in terms of personally understanding, is it happening? What's the prevalence? Is it increasing? What are the root causes behind it? And what can we do organisationally in terms of how we manage our people in the value proposition that we give our people and how capable our line managers are at dealing with this to actually turn it around. Yeah, we were just tiptoeing into the deal and EVP, aren't we? All my favourite soapboxes, yes. Just for those people who actually, I'm going to just do it anyway, because there'll be some people that haven't listened to our podcast before are listening to it for the first time. Just touch on that for us, your concept of the deal, because I think this relates to this conversation. Yeah, I mean, employee value proposition, I guess, in simple terms, the deal. What is the organisation offering a candidate under employee and is it delivering on it? You know, in terms of why you joined an organisation, the promises that were made, the assumptions and perceptions you had about what life would be like in that organisation. Did that come true? Has the organisation delivered on it? And is it continuing to deliver on it for those employees who have joined? And Mm. in that scenario, if what an organisation is doing, behaving like offering, recognising has shifted fundamentally, then you can understand an individual saying, I'm going to reevaluate things actually, and I'm not going to go the extra mile for an organisation I don't 
believe in. Yeah. Now, that sort of external, what's happening in the organization rather than the individual is a root cause. There's then the root cause around individually, they may be burning out for whatever reason, other things outside of work happening in their life that actually they need to take the foot off the gas and do less. And that in itself is something that you would need to understand what is happening and how organizationally could we help. Um, so there's various factors here that actually might be driving it. And the response may be very different depending on mm. you know what actually is the root cause. So we're just coming towards us basically on the 30 minutes now. So we're just coming towards the end of today's podcast. Is there anything more just from your perspective that you wanted to highlight as a result of the conversation today around quiet quitting that perhaps we haven't touched on yet? I think the bit that maybe is worth just flagging is that what's HR's role in this? Yes. Right? Now, ultimately, HR is the part of the organisation that firstly is looking at that EVP, is helping to shape the culture, but at the same time is trying to put the mechanisms in place to listen to employees. And I think that listening aspect is critical to really understand, firstly, what are the instances that we have where we think people have made this shift, where we feel we have got engagement and productivity challenges at individual level. What are the root causes and what can we do about it? So that listening mechanism, having a robust solution in place for that organisationally that is timely. So you have are able to take regular pulses rather than once a year running an engagement survey, which doesn't really deliver yeah. what you need it to deliver in terms of understanding where these issues lie and, and how you can respond quickly to them. And also helping the organisation think through how to manage the cases when they occur, what's the most effective way of dealing with this, recognising the impact on the bottom line commercially, the impact on the individual, but also the impact on the broader workforce and how to weigh up those factors mm. in a hot talent market to make the right call each time. So coaching the business through that thinking. And then finally, there is this big element around ensuring that line managers have the capabilities both to spot understand and respond to their team members who are in this situation, which I personally feel is, is a primary responsibility of HR to ensure they've got the capability and confidence to people manage effectively. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for your time Pleasure. today, Kathy. It's been Pleasure. great to have you on. Great to talk about quiet quitting. Very interesting and topical subject at the moment. Whether it's a long-term phenomenon, didn't get it right that time or not, we shall wait and see. You can obviously get this podcast however you listen to your podcasts. We are on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can look at our whole back catalogue on the Lace Partners website, www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. Kathy, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Pleasure. You're going to say the PH word again just I'm one not, more time. I'm okay, not. Fine. Phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening and we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.